So what I'm going to do is just going to spend short 50 minutes just unpacking the message of the conversion story. <clears throat> so we've just watched a video about all the people in the Christmas story going on their different journeys. We've got Mary and Joseph on their journey to Bethlehem, the Magi's journey across thousands of miles following the star, the shepherd's journey, which included walking across sheep poo, and of course, Jesus' journey from heaven down to earth. <clears throat> now this got me thinking about journeys. Um, the concept of going on a journey has always been a fascinating um, one for us as humans, whether that's as a thing to be accomplished or something to read about. So I wonder what some of the most kind of famous journeys you can think of are. Show of hands, anyone got a famous journey that comes to mind, either in literature or reality? Go on, B. Around the world in 80 days. Around the world in 80 days. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. That was not planned. Even though B's my mother-in-law, that was not planned. <clears throat> Anybody else famous? Uh, if you get this, anybody else famous, Janie, Elias? What was that? A trip to Antarctica, fantastic. That is a brilliant journey. Unfortunately, that's not the next one on my slide. Uh, anyone else famous, Janie? The Hobbit. Wow, Frodo's journey. <laughs> Amazing. Some famous, and of course... The first one that came to my, my mind was that famous journey when Alan Partridge drove to Dundee in his bare feet, yeah. gorging on medium-sized Toblerones. <laughs> they're all, they're all want some literature. Can you call Partridge literature? I think yeah. you can. Um, some, more, some more famous journeys in reality. <clears throat> so we've got um, Dame Ellen MacArthur. Um, that was the uh, world record-breaking single-handed sailing circumnavigation of the globe in 2005. We've got Neil Armstrong and his crew. Their journey to work on the moon, work on the moon, they did work on the moon, they also, um, in 1969. And actually, sometimes a journey isn't um, a physical thing, sometimes it's um, an emotional journey or a maybe professional journey. So we've got the journey of Gareth Southgate from Wembley Penalty Mess in 96 to redemption in Russia last year. Was it last year? Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I've been working hard, Al. So, so the journey that culminated in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago wasn't fiction. But to a certain extent, we've allowed Christmas cards to shape our theology. Um, for example, the 25th of December almost certainly wasn't when Christ was born. Um, I guess there's a 1 in 365.25 chance. <laughs> but, um, the wise men, they weren't there at the birth. They, they were there about two years later, which is why Herod said, kill all the boys under the age of two, that kind of thing. Um, but, actually, but the reality around the significant facts of that night are still resounding today. And that's because Jesus didn't stay as a baby. He grew up. He taught people about God, about his kingdom and his love. He healed the sick. He drove out demonic forces. But the ultimate purpose of Jesus' journey was to restore our relationship with Father God. But why did this have to happen? That was a rhetorical one. Why did it need restoring? The reason is, is God is so holy and God is so pure that he can't be associated with anything that is impure. impure. So when sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, who's that, James? It's the sneaky snake, as it's called in the beginner's Bible. Slight, under, slight um, underestimate. What's the word? Anyway, yeah, calling underestimation, calling him sneaky. It was quite sneaky. So when sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, we were separated from God. God's children had gone astray from the loving Father. 
but God had a plan. So he sent Jesus to earth as a baby. Still fully God, but also fully human. And when he died on the cross at Easter, 33 years later, that separation that had been keeping us apart from God was completely destroyed. It was banished with Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's why Christmas is important to me and other Christians around the world. It's not about presents. It's not about roast dinners, though they are brilliant. And please, can I still have one later? It's the time to thank God that he cared so much about me that he sent his son to die. So another real journey that we're all on is the journey of life. So you might just be starting out that journey, as some of the wonderful children down here are. Maybe I won't make any examples of who I think is towards the end of that journey. Doesn't, doesn't feel particularly Christmassy. <laughs> but the reality is, we're all on this journey, yeah? Okay. And everyone will, at some point, have a time where the message of Jesus is brought to them. This is a bit of a spoiler alert. This is one of those occasions now. It might happen when you're a child. It might happen when you're an adult. Perhaps you'll hear this message of Jesus a handful of times. Perhaps it will be dozens, maybe hundreds of times across your lifetime. But understand this, it, this message of Jesus requires a response from you. Jesus is always ready to talk. He's always up for a conversation about how he can fulfill and restore your life. And he says in Revelation, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And that's because Jesus is calling out to every single one of us. He meets us in our own journey, whether, whether we are from that baby to the adult scale, and asks us to follow him. And it's not an easy journey, of course it's not an easy journey, it leads to life. And on this journey you'll discover how you are utterly and completely and totally loved. You'll discover that there is a purpose for your life, and you'll discover that no matter how worthless you might feel, the creator of this universe sent his son to come and die for you. So we're in the middle of a very interesting political time in our country and around the world. It's another um, of that word that I can't remember. Um, so you'll have heard politicians, world leaders, and anybody who can operate a Twitter account um, tell us what the world really needs. More money. We need more jobs. We need lower tax rates. We need less stress. We need fewer people that don't look exactly the same as us. We need more healthcare staff, we need less disease, we need fewer boundaries, we need more boundaries. The list and the counter list is endless, but only God knows exactly what we need. And to demonstrate that, I'm just going to finish by showing you this quote, which you saw one line of earlier on, made famous by the Christian author Max Lucado, but he didn't actually write this, he said he found it, which is very handy. To kind of, so, um, so, you know, don't throw those things away, guys, because it could make you famous one day. So this is, a, this is um, something that he found. So the source is unknown. But it says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a saviour. And that's Christmas. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move into a time of, um, of communion. So this is one of the things that Jesus commands us to do if we believe in him. So that's to regularly share bread and share wine in remembrance of his love for us. It's that same love that sent Jesus to the earth and took him to the cross and took away all of our sins so that we could be forgiven and have our, that relationship between God and man completely restored.